to the LMC Radio Network, whose art and information may be found on its webcast shows. The LMC Radio Network is a community radio alliance of metaphysical, spiritual, inspirational, and political justice broadcasters spanning a wide range of topics. Tune in Sundays for the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali. It features panel discussions on traditional African-American hoodoo spellcasting with members of the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, plus free readings and magical root work advice for live call-in clients. The longest-running conjure show in the universe, it may be heard from 3 o'clock to 4.30 Pacific Time, Sunday afternoons. On Mondays, get ready for Candelo's Corner. Starring Candelo Cambisa, Michael Correll, and Lady A, this is the meeting place for all esoteric traditions. Candelo, Michael, and Lady A bring their insights from Paulo, witchcraft, and eclectic spiritualities to their interviews with peers in Afro-Caribbean lineages as well as representatives of numerous other paths. You can hear Candelo's Corner Monday evenings from 5 to 7 Pacific Time. Tuesdays feature two wonderful shows to suit your taste. On the Crystal Silence League Hour, John St. Germain provides spiritual guidance and tips on the practical use of crystals and crystal balls. His show starts at 5 Pacific Time and lasts for one hour. Next is In the Streets with Beverly Smith. Beverly provides up-to-the-minute reports on civil and social rights issues. Her one-hour show airs on Tuesday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Two shows on Wednesdays promote positive affirmation and spiritual value. First, at 3 p.m. Pacific, Kai Armand and Paige Zafiryu broadcast the voices of the land and the deceased, weaving together history, ethnography, and spiritual experience to explore the unique promises and challenges of our time. Their show, On Sacred Ground, lasts for 90 minutes. Then join Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya 
for Fit and Foxy, a magical lifestyle show for new thought, glamour magic, and fitness coaching that motivates spiritually, emotionally, and physically, and is aimed at empowering you to become your most magnificent self. You can hear Fit and Foxy from 6 to 7 p.m. Wednesdays. On Thursdays, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield. In a variety show laced with country wit and biblical wisdom, the professor shares his knowledge of roots, delivers the lucky numbers, and explores the secrets of scriptural sorcery. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time, there's no end to the surprises. Join professional witches Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay on Friday nights as they discuss witchcraft and paganism in all its forms, share personal stories, traditional history, and describe modern controversies. From 6 to 7, tune in and learn about magic, spellcrafting, and goddess worship on The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron. And on Saturday nights, come out and join Liquid Libations. Andrea Weston hosts this informal sharing and showcasing of poetry, short stories, and spoken word performances contributed by novices and professional wordsmiths. Call in and read your work. Liquid Libations may be heard on Saturday nights from 5 to 7 Pacific Time. All shows on the LMC Radio Network are sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, located in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Add three hours for Eastern, tax and license may apply, train departure times and Burma Shave signs may be subject to change without notice. LMC O hidden life, vibrant in every atom. O hidden light, shining in every creature. O hidden love, embracing all oneness. May each who feels himself as one with thee know he is also one with every other. That is a prayer from uh, by Annie Besant from Earth prayers from around the world, 365 prayers, poems, and invocations for honoring the earth. So today, again, we'll be talking about acts of resistance and living our soul's purpose. And there's a little bit of a quilt-filled show um, because there are some people who have spoken very directly to this topic, um, even if we don't expect them to, and even if we don't necessarily um, realize how much they are speaking to this. But when I speak about soul's purpose, um, oftentimes people think that soul's purpose is that one thing that we've come to do um, when often, when at least the way I've been taught um, by my own teachers and the way that I found to be true is that soul's purpose is an energy that we've come here to embody. Soul purpose is not uh, that cafe that we plan to open or that band we want to start. Those are vehicles for one's soul's purpose. But our actual soul's purpose is something unique that has never been, never will be again, and it is what we are. And there's a lot of um, ideas in our world regarding uh, soul's purpose in the sense of, well, our job here is to find our soul's purpose and figure it out and um, Hopefully we'll, we'll get um, far enough to, to maybe do something nice to help. You know, maybe in our 80 years of being on Earth, we might help an elderly person cross the street. And that's it. You know, like, well, you did what you gave them to do. You know, you, 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 no one can really fault you. And 
there's a real problem with that thinking. And part of that real problem is that as human beings, we, this may sound strange, but the truth is that we consume so much. So much goes into a single human being's lifetime to support and sustain them. And the reason for that, at least part of the reason, is because humans, from on a cosmic scale, are endowed with a tremendous potential to be creative. So we might not put back into the um, ecosystem the same way a, um, a say, fungi might. You know, there are certainly energies and, and entities and organisms that are feeding right back into the cycle of life in the same way that, um, you know, on a sort of biological level. That might not necessarily be what we are doing currently with the way we have our burial practices. However, we do have tremendous creative potential to actually bring uh, humanity and the world into greater progress and greater in alignment and in step with the God force that moves through us. Um, one of the quotes I want to bring to today's episode is a quote from Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. One of the things he says in that uh, book is, our job in this lifetime is not to shape ourselves into some ideal we imagine we ought to be, but to find out who we already are and become it. That's it. To be, to find out who we are and become it. And uh, dare I say that, you know, in some other cultures, in some other um, contexts, rather than the one we have in the West, that job is made a, a little bit less uh, confusing, a little bit less um, nebulous than the one that we have here, where there aren't really many forces societally, if any, working directly with us to say, who are you? Because who are you is who you come here to be, and we need that. We don't need you to be mom. We don't need you to be dad. We don't need you to be Uncle Ted. We need you to be who you came here to be, please be that now because the value that you bring as yourself is invaluable. Another quote from uh, Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art, Breaking Through the Blocks and Winning Your Inner Creative Battles, is Stephen shares with us, it may help to think of it this way. If you were meant to cure cancer or write a symphony or crack cold fusion and you don't do it, you not only hurt yourself or even destroy yourself, you hurt your children. You hurt me. You hurt the planet. You shame the angels who watch over you, and you spite the Almighty who created you, and only you with your unique gifts for the sole purpose of nudging the human race one millimeter farther along its path back to God. Creative work is not a selfish act or a bid for attention on the part of the actor. It's a gift to the world and every being in it. Don't cheat us of your contribution. Give us what you've got. And as much as I love this quote, and I think it's so um, true, I think part of the um, something that I've been aware of my my life and as I've walked my own sort of unique path has been it's not just about the peace you have to give to the world so that we 
um, humanity can move its the human race can move one millimeter further along towards back path along its path back to God. But it's that if you don't do your piece, someone else won't be able to do their piece. Someone else who needed you to have done your piece in this relay race toward glory, toward beauty, toward ultimate creativity. By creativity, it's not creativity versus the sciences. It's all creative. But someone, I'm constantly in awe of how I absolutely would not be here today if certain people, not just my own ancestral helping spirits, but certain people, certain teachers of mine, did not do the hard work that was put before them to do for me to be here. And this is actually one of the reasons why we are always, um, why we're almost always focusing on at least one ancestor of humanity in these episodes, because we are standing on the shoulders of giants, our own ancestral helping spirits, as well as these um, saints and folk heroes and activists and, and guardians and, and, and incredible people who paved the way for us to be here today and to do what we've come here to do, which would not be possible if they hadn't have done what they came to do. So I started this episode off with a song that we started, um, we actually ended the last episode with. It's from the Disney movie Moana. Um, it's called, um, well, some people call it Away Away. Um, it's the song that's happening while um, this culture that has been, um, Polynesian culture that has been landlocked and staying on their island has decided, okay, we are now going to set sail and do something new. Um, and, and what Moana, the main character, finds out is because she's always felt this deep inner longing for the sea, but she's always being thwarted by her father, being told, no, we stay on this island. There are bad things out there. And having taken that step, despite the resistance, to go out there, to go and investigate what's out behind, behind, uh, beyond the sort of barrier reef, um, she finds out, oh, my God, actually, my culture, we're seafaring people to begin with. And it's actually continuing a long but hidden legacy of this kind of work. Um, and it's just one of the most beautiful songs to me, especially because I have a lot of ocean energy and um, sailor energy, certain, you know, certain spirits that kind of walk with me. So, uh, yeah, totally cheer up, Moana. If you haven't seen it, you want to see it. Because the other powerful thing about it is um, that – it's not always the people who, quote-unquote, sort of like should be championing us toward living soldiers who should, uh, who are. Because in this movie, Moana is actively being held back by her father, actively being told, no, please don't go out there. You don't know what you're doing. We need to hold back um, and maintain these traditions that I know of and it's, later on, we find out it's because of a personal grudge and grievance of his. But that personal grudge and, grudge and grievance is big enough for him to hold back the legacy of a people. And we often don't realize that just, you know, just, just as much as we have uh, these beautiful, creative impulses to live our soul's purpose and be big in the world, and we experience resistance and this fear, but, oh, no, no, it's okay, just get over it and let it, there are also those things that, ah, oh, it's just a grudge. It's just my need to call out this person. It's just a sadness. And this is an act on it right now. And we don't necessarily realize 
the, the level of impact that that can have on our own lives and on the generations ahead of us. And I bring that, in for that, that, that conversation, frankly, to the forefront because um, one of the things that's most interesting to me as a spirit worker is the idea of, um, of cursing and cursing and sorcery to harm other people. Um, and why people do that, why one might choose to do that, um, circumstances under which that is helpful and serves life, circumstances under which it might not be helpful and serves life. But if we really remember and bring ourselves back to that this is the only game in town, our soul's purpose, and what we came here to do, and that all of this energy, before we even step foot on this earth, all of the prenatal and pre-incarnation energy that goes into being a human being on this life, in this lifetime, it begins to put the resistance that we place in others' path in a new perspective. Because on one hand, and this is not me saying that people should not do certain acts, but this is simply me just sort of offering up some ideas. Who are we to get in the way, let alone distract from someone else's soul's purpose, whether or not they're aware of it, whether or not they're doing anything to live it? Who are we to distract or get in the way of someone else and what they have come here to do. Um, if we respect or have any respect for the spirit world and helping spirits, the amount of work that's going on behind the scenes, and trust me, there's a lot of energy going on behind the scenes. You know, you've got these beautiful ancestral helping spirits and angels and ancestors of humanity and land spirits and fey spirits and all these kinds, and Orishas and Lawa, and they're all dancing and they're all excited about what this person's coming here doing. This person cut me off on the road. This person did something on the internet that I don't really like. So it's great that those energies are really supporting this person what they came here to do. I need to throw a boomerang at this person because of a wound that I really, really feel the need to uh, nourish and nurture. It is my wound here is far more important than the beauty that this person came into this world to express. My wound is far bigger than what this person has come here to do. My wound is far bigger than the thousands upon thousands of years of work that have gone into this person being here. Me cradling and nourishing this wound of mine in regards to them is far bigger than any of those things. The sorcery has existed in every culture all across the world for as long as magic has existed, I'm sure. This isn't a new conversation, and this isn't a shaming conversation, but it's a what's really at stake here conversation because in all cultures, we seem to continuously miss that piece. So what's really at stake? We're setting into law based on what we can understand for the next couple of weeks, but what's really at stake? We lash out at a child. That child closes up, plans up, and doesn't do what they came here to do. What's really at stake? We need to be asking better questions about what's really at stake in our world. 
sorcery to me reminds me a lot of a um, sorcery in its relation to soul's purpose um, and relation to resistance. Reminds me a lot of Tony Moore, uh, a quote by Tony Morrison um, that went around a lot in the past couple of years, given um, the state of America. And the quote is, the function, the very serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language, and you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says that your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on the fact that it is. Somebody says you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdom, so you dredge that up. None of this is necessary. There will always be one more thing. And I think this totally relates to all acts of resistance, all symptoms, all of the various um, excuses we can give ourselves as to living our soul's purpose, as to why we might get in the way of somebody else living their soul's purpose. But if we really realize that this is all pretty petty in light of what's really going on, then we can get back on track, ask those deeper questions, well, what am I here to do? And begin to create medicine for the world. So right now, um, speaking of creating medicine for the world, we have on our show uh, Marika Khan of shopmiaclothing.com. If you have not gone to this website, you got to shopmiaclothing.com, eco-friendly knitwear for an unbelievable life. Marika, are you there? Hi. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> How are you? How are you? I'm well. Yourself? I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm on a walk home, so hopefully I'm loud and clear. You're totally loud and clear, and I also know you're living that tri-state life with transit and all that. <laughs> I'm so um, privileged for you to be joining us on our show today. Um, yeah, thank you for bit, having um, me. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, tell us a bit about Nia and where things are and how this all began. Yes. Okay. So I've loved fashion since I can remember at about five years old. Um, it's always been my passion. I studied all the courses I could when I was younger. I took um, Fashion Institute of Technology high school courses. I graduated from there. And I currently work full-time in the production fashion industry. Um, through all of this, I've been, you know, commuting back and forth. Um, from New Jersey to New York City for the past about eight years plus now. Um, and working full-time, I really wanted to create something um, that was environmentally friendly but comfortable for the working woman who leads an unpredictable life, who is always, you know, working towards her passion, is always on the go, whether that be in an office environment, like taking care of children, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is that she has going for herself. So, um, yeah, I just launched on Kickstarter um, Friday, April 14th. So we're um, about a third of the way through the campaign and um, pushing forward. But um, I'm really just focusing on, you know, raising awareness um, about the fashion industry and the, fa the negative side of the fast fashion industry 
and I'm trying to be the change that I want to see in the industry. And, um, you know, uh, actually, uh, speaking of, it is Fashion Revolution Week this week. Um, so it's a great time to be talking about this. But, yeah, that's where I'm uh, at right now currently. That is so cool. I had no idea that it was Fashion Revolution Week as well. Um, my own background, you know, with fashion, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Ugly Betty. I have. I love Ugly Betty. <laughs> Ugly Betty is the number one most important show in the world to me. When I, I, when I went to school in Massachusetts, um, I grew up in New York, went to school in Massachusetts, and I kept telling myself I'll never go back to New York because New York is such a harsh place. I want to just live here in the mountains. And... Um, then Ugly Betty came on, and Ugly Betty just rewrote everything and pretty much gave me the story of, look, if you're just cute and quirky and have good intentions, you'll make it anywhere. And I was like, all right, I'll go back to New York. Um, but that's actually where I got introduced to, you know, the, I mean, I'm, I, know it's, I know it's a soap opera, but it's kind of where I got introduced to the world of, of fashion. And a lot of my perspective on the show is very, I feel like, a Betty perspective. Like, I'm like, fashion, what are you... I mean, what are you doing? I mean, what about other things in the world? But, you know, like Betty, over time, they come to realize that fashion is expression. Fashion is how we express ourselves and, and say who we are in the world. And there's, you know, big, bold, beautiful ways of doing that. Um, 100%, when, when, yeah. When was it that you realized fashion, this is who I am, this is what I do? Um, I was really young. Um, I don't know what it was about fashion in particular, um, but I was always drawn to it um, and that world. I was at a, my brother actually was at an acting camp and they were taking, you know, like side roles and there was a choice you could choose uh, between two jobs, these side roles they needed. And it was to be like a fashion designer and then I don't even remember what the other job was and without even thinking I I wanted to be a fashion designer and I was about yeah five or five or six years old then and um, I didn't end up actually acting in the play because I was too scared to be on stage and got stage fright but I never lost that passion for wanting to be a fashion designer (laughs) so um, yeah yeah it's all it's always been with me um, and so I, it's always just driven like, me. You and, immediately. Exactly, 100%. I just, I was always drawn to it. And I still couldn't even tell you, like, exactly what it is, but I do love, like you said, the expression in it, um, the creativity that I find in it. And I think it is, um, I don't know, it's just one of those things that, like, that's, it's my outlet. Like, whatever I'm feeling, I can show that through how I'm dressing or um, if I want to be creative, what am I going to make or what kind of outfit am I going to put together, or, um, you know, create? And that's sort of been um, my my way of expressing myself since I was younger. So you actually just said something that's really interesting to me. Do you actually sometimes, like, say, I'm feeling X, Y, Z mood right now. These are the clothes I want to wear to sort of say that to the world? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, if I'm feeling very, you know, funky, fun, playful, I'll definitely go into my closet and find something that's 
bright, colorful, and maybe I wouldn't normally put on every day. And you know what? I'd feel good, and I'd put that on, and I'd go outside, and I'd feel proud to be wearing it and excited. And, um, yeah, definitely. And if I'm, you know, feeling tired or it's a gloomy day, you know, we all want to go and put on our sweatpants and our big sweatshirt and our gray colors and our blues. And, you know, if you're feeling dark and gloomy, maybe you're going to wear all black that day. So it's it's definitely something that um, I think shows through and maybe other people aren't even conscious of this, but I think it's something everyone does naturally. That's so, you know, I've never even thought about that. It's almost like a fabric diary that we're wrapping ourselves in. Um, it's like <laughs> yeah. it never even occurred to me to like think that, so like, what am I really feeling today? Um, I, I think that speaks a lot to someone who, you know, has spent a lot of time, maybe not, fully connected to their body, I only began to really think about fashion more heavily in the past year or so. Um, but I definitely know that um, accessories, for me at the very least throughout my life, were strongly tied to a sense of identity, um, even if it wasn't sort of me tying in my day-to-day emotional experience. But that's something I have to explore more because I feel like that can be a really grounding energy as well. What are some of the... Um, what was your experience of coming into an understanding of the fashion industry's impact on the environment? Was that like over a long period of time or was it like an ugly Betty episode where you're like watching this one PowerPoint presentation and it's all just hitting you? Well, that's actually very interesting. I definitely was not aware of the impact the fashion industry has had on the environment um, until very recently. Um, I, when I started, decided to start this company, Nia, I, um, got connected with a consultant who basically takes aspiring designers from zero to launch, but her focus is sustainable designers. So I, you know, uh, both feet jumped right into this program. Um, and I was watching, um, this documentary, which is on Netflix. So if you haven't seen it go watch it immediately. It's amazing. It's called The True Cost. Um, I was reading a book by this woman, Greta Egan, who talks about how she shops sustainably and um, what drives these choices. Um, Her book is absolutely fabulous. Um, It's called Wear No Evil. Another great, great, great entertaining read. Very easy read. Um, but after, you know, enlightening myself and reading articles online and hearing about all these different things that happened, um, I was 100% focused on making sure that going forward with this program and everything I'm doing on my own, that it was going to be a sustainable brand, uh, focusing on how to do that, how to grow in a sustainable way. Um, and yeah, I've, I've just been really Um, I think a big driver um, actually was uh, this documentary called The True Cost, and I learned about something that really touched me, which um, is what set off this Fashion Revolution Week, um, which commemorates, um, it's April 24th through April 30th, and on April 24th, um, I'm not sure what year, it was about five years ago, Um, it might have been, yeah, like 2009 or 2007, Um, in Bangladesh, there's a factory that was called Rana Plaza. And this factory housed not only the fashion factory, but it housed apartments, 
um, I think some local shops and uh, one, one other type of business. I'm not sure. So there was cracks the day before this disaster that happened in the building. Every single business and apartment had cleared out except for this um, fashion factory. And they were ordered to come back the next day. And that day, the factory collapsed. It killed 1,127 people, and there was over 2,500 um, non-fatal injuries. And this was a huge disaster and a huge wake-up call for the industry. Um, and these types of situations were happening, you know, focused around fast fashion companies. So places like H&M, Zara, uh, Forever 21, Walmart. Um, these were the uh, fashion companies associated with uh, these disasters and types of disasters. So when I heard that, I, it brought me to tears. Um, the movie talks really in depth about this and, you know, other things like that. And I couldn't believe it. And this is all for, you know, clothing that people put on and wear maybe one time, throw away, and then it ends up in our landfills. Uh, a lot of the fibers, they don't biodegrade, so they'll sit there forever. Um, gas into the environment so it was if you look this stuff up it is super super enlightening and I've only learned about all this stuff in depth in the past year or I guess year and a half so I've ever since I've learned this I've just you know I really want to I really want to help change the industry and um, have a positive impact So tell us a bit about knitwear and how these pieces that you're creating are being produced. So I am working currently um, on my development. Sorry, I thought we might have lost you for just a second. Are you still there? All right, we uh, lost Monica for just a second. I know that she'll be joining us back. She's giving us some great information about her company, Shop Nia, N-I-A, clothing.com, and the ravages that um, the fashion industry over the years has sort of um, left on our ecosystems and the environment, uh, including a tragedy involving both the environment and human casualties, um, and the impact that that had on her, and how she was led not only to um, express this find a vehicle and uh, for her sole purpose through the fashion industry, but sort of immediately led through her finding a, um, a mentor and learning more about the, um, the fashion industry's impact to do this in a more sustainable way. Uh, we'll be right back with Maria in just a moment. I don't want to do this. You never did. It was always me. Give it up, boy! Looks like you called it, Ganga. That mystery guest bit has been written all over it. I can't help it if I make a scene. Stepping out of my hot pink limousine. I'm turning heads and I'm stopping traffic. When I pose, they scream. And when I joke, they laugh. I've got a pair of eyes that they're getting lost in. They're hypnotized by my way of walking. I've got them dazzled like a stage magician. When I point, they look. And when I talk, they listen well. Everybody needs a friend. And I've got you and you and you. So many I can't even name them. Can you blame me? Haven't you noticed I'm a star? I'm coming into view as the world is turning. 
Haven't you noticed I made it this far? Now everyone can see me burning. Now everyone can see me burning. Now everyone can see me burning. And it was a song, I'm a Star, from one of our favorite cartoons here at uh, the world of Paige and Kai, Steven Universe, um, about when Steven realizes that all the um, emphasis he's been putting on one of his friends coming out of his shell and wearing her dress and stepping on a talent show is really just about his own desire to come out on a talent show wearing a dress and have everyone see his burn him burning. We're back on All Sacred Ground with Marika Khan. Are you still there, Marika? Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no worries at all. This, this happens. Um, so I think we were just talking about um, you're currently in the development phase of Mia, which, uh, by the way, just letting the audience know, there's, go on Kickstarter, look up Mia, N-I-A, and look at the um, amazing things that are being offered so that you can contribute to the development of Mia. But tell us more about this. Tell us more about knitwear and production. Yes. So... Right now, yes, I am in the development phase. Um, I'm not sure where we got cut off, um, but I'm working with this great facility called the Brooklyn Fashion and Design Accelerator. They're located right in Williamsburg. They focus on working with sustainable designers and are a sustainable factory as well. So they're super ethical, very aware of what's going on with the environment. I was actually just at what's called a G3D event with them today. It's the third time they were doing it. Um, they had a bunch of speakers, um, one of which um, is the maker of the what's called whole garment knitting machines that I'm using for the products. Basically, whole garment knitting is like 3D printing but for knitwear, which is super cool because um, it creates seamless garments. And these seamless garments are awesome because – each one that you're creating, it has a super uh, low production lead time. It's the uh, production is super efficient, so it has a low carbon footprint, low emissions for the environment. Um, it has a great drape. It's super comfortable. Um, it has so many positive benefits. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's very cool. I'm still educating myself on how the machines work and everything and learning uh, new information every day. Um, but yeah, it's, it's this new, new process that people are still exploring and it even can connect with um, the tech industry. So like wearable fabrics, because things that wouldn't work before because there would be a scene. So you couldn't keep a positive connection. Now we have that ability. So wearable tech is starting to happen. Um, so there's so many great benefits, and that was what really drew me to it was the innovative side of it um, and the low impact on the environment. Are there any um, moments where that you can point at in your, either in this particular process or elsewhere in your creative process that stand out as like kinds of noticing in yourself or coming at you from the outside world? Resistance. Uh, what do you mean? Resistance, like, you know, you're starting a creative project, you're trying to, and then it's like, actually, because you're trying to move forward, everything is going to get in the way and stop you now and try to deter you or distract you. Um, were there, has there ever had there been any? I mean, some, sometimes we don't experience that. It's like, 
fuck yes, we were blessed. But sometimes we, you know, <laughs> experience that and we're like, wow, I have been felt deterred, but I found a way to keep going no matter what. Had there been any moments where uh, you felt well, derailed? Yeah, for for me personally, um, when I first started to talk about my idea and what I wanted to do, I got a lot of resistance and main thing. Like, now it takes a lot of work to start a business. That's the that was the first thing people would say to me. And I would say, I know I'm willing to do that and jump in and um I I want to be I want to be that busy. I I love uh to keep myself engaged and um I would say yeah, at the beginning not even people saying that I shouldn't do it. But almost like warnings, like, oh, be careful, like, you don't know where that'll take you, or you don't want to lose all your money, and things like that. Um, and as, as you're, as you're, as you're, sorry, I was just saying, as you're saying, I, I was just saying, as you're saying that, I hear in your voice that melancholy derailment that really has nothing to do with anyone seeing your own skills or your own background. Just it was. It sounds like it was more about people trying to protect themselves from hoping. You know, like that energy of like, oh God, when you hope, it's a lot of energy. Be careful around that. <laughs> I've had hopes before, and gosh. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I yeah, I feel like a lot of people um, expect that. You know, at least for when we're talking about starting a business, people expect that uh, you think you're going to succeed right away. But I've I've never thought like that. I've when I started this, I didn't know where it would take me. I've just known since I was a little girl that this is what I've always wanted to do. And there were people along the way that were encouraging me to do this. So I I felt like it was my time to. Um, you know, take a hold of my passion and try to take it somewhere. And so that's what I did. And I didn't really listen to anyone <laughs> telling me that I shouldn't do it or uh, giving me warnings because in my heart, I just, I sort of felt that it was the right time to start. And so I did it. And it's so great that you did because now you have this incredible work that you're doing and it's so, it looks so great. And it's, um, I've already told everyone that they should go to shopneaclothing.com. <laughs> Is there anywhere else that people, people could also follow you on um, follow um, Nia Clothing can on Facebook? On social media. Yeah, all my social mm-hmm. media is Shop Nia Clothing. So you can connect with me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, my website. I'm currently up on Kickstarter. Um, you can email me if you want to talk and find out more and uh, if you ever run into me in person, feel free. I'm all open arms, open ears, and ready to discuss the, you know, environment and fashion and uh, being an entrepreneur. Thank you so much for being with us on this episode and for sharing your amazing work with us. Uh, we can, we, um, we're going to be posting some of these links on our Facebook page and on Sacred Ground, and we can't wait to receive updates to share with our audience in the near future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I always love talking about what I'm doing with other people, and I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you. And we love passion. 
We really, really do. And if you are passionate about um, spiritual products and um, the spiritual world and the various accoutrements of um, historical, spiritual, and traditional practices, Lucky Mojo Curio Company is based in sunny Florida, Sunny Forestville, California, and provides traditional spiritual products for alleviating all kinds of conditions. Locate them online at luckymojo.com or visit them in person to see the world's smallest church, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. And on that note, it is in just a couple of weeks that at Missionary Independent Spiritual Church on the grounds of Lucky Mojo uh, Curio Company that the Hulu Heritage Festival will be happening. The Hulu Heritage Festival is an annual festival of um, various magic and occult workshops that will be happening uh, May 13th and 14th, 2017. Uh, you want to be there because there are going to be hands-on conjure training workshops over a whole weekend featuring such notable authors and um, podcast hosts as uh, Storm Fairy Wolf and Candelo Kimbisa and, of course, the uh, wonderful Catherine Ironwood and Nabashiva Ironwood teaching such courses as um, the Moving Candle Flame, Moving Candle Cells in Hoodoo. That's being taught by Beverly Smith, who is a new member of the Associate, the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, which you can find at readersandrootworkers.org. Beverly uh, Smith is one of my favorite people on the planet. She is so sweet and kind and powerful and knowledgeable and down-to-earth. She is also the uh, host of... Um, in the Streets with Beverly Smith, which is an incredible show on the on the um, on the um, network that focuses on activism and social justice in today's world. Candela Cambisa will actually be leading a Dominican Mesa Blanca on that Sunday, May 14th morning. Um, who doesn't want to start their morning off on a Sunday with a white table in the Dominican tradition? That sounds freaking amazing. I cannot wait for it because I will also be there uh, performing geomancy readings, geomancy being a European and North African form of divination. Um, um, Madame Nadja and Jaye Danya of Fit and Foxy will be actually doing a workshop called Fit and Foxy and the Magic Attraction. Dr. Jeremy Weiss will be performing a workshop on vulvamancy. Um, there will be a panel discussion on spells for legal work and court cases. Um, Shaq Bogan, Storm Fairy Wolf's partner, will be doing a workshop on Ouija Revelations, Conjuring Spirits and Other Sorceries. And there's a host of other amazing workshops and books that are, being, that are coming out um, because Lucky Mojo and the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church are often publishing books. This is they published mine a few years back, Deliverance, Hoodoo, uh, Spells of Uncrossing, Healing, and Protection. This year, we have the books Women's Work, Home-style hoodoo spells for marriage, sex, and motherhood coming out by Orla Forrest. Cursing and Crossing coming out by Miss Aida. Hoodoo spells to torment, jinx, and re take revenge on your enemies. And um, this amazing book, Hoodoo Herb and Root Medicine, is a uh, book that Catherine Ironwood is producing as well, um, an herbal text, and she'll be doing a workshop as well that Saturday, May 13th, showing some of the connection between um, herbal work uh, from a medicinal background, uh, biological medicinal, and herbal work from a folk 
root work background. So you've got to be there. If you've not yet bought your tickets, you want to get over to missionaryindependent.org and book your tickets now for the 2017 Hoodoo Heritage Festival hands-on conjure training workshops. Again, this Saturday and Sunday, May 13th and 14th. If you have not yet been there, you're missing out, as I tell people all the time, and I really mean it. It's like going to the church picnic of a church that you didn't even know that you, you didn't even know you belonged to it. But trust me, when you're there, you'll find out that you did because it's a church that belongs to everyone. Everyone is welcome. Just as all faiths are welcome. This has been another episode of On Sacred Ground with your co-host, Kaya Mon, hopefully to be joined by Paige Zafiriu in two weeks, uh, Wednesday, May 10th, in which we ask you to tune in. And of course, you can always find these shows in the archives. Until then, keep a light in your window for courage in our times. I'll be keeping a light in mine. <laughs>